Dave Delsing spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go On the Range with Jay Delsing. On the Range is brought to you by 20 Minutes to Fitness. Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and I am flying solo again. Meet and I are here because Pearlie is getting a, I hope he's getting a horrible, horrible sunburn out in Arizona. Meet while we're over here watching snow fly and trying do, to think about golf. Th- is he a, uh, is he a sit by the pool kind of guy? Is that? No. 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 He doesn't sit much at all. You no. Know, he's, he's always, always on the yeah, go. He's always doing something. Uh, we formatted a show just like around the golf. The first segment here is called uh, the On the Range segment. It's brought to you by 20 Minutes to Fitness. 20 Minutes to Fitness just once a week. It works for me. Uh, our social media outlets, um, this is always my favorite part of the show. Uh, Twitter handle is at Jay Delsing. Facebook is Golf with Jay Delsing and Jay Delsing Golf. LinkedIn is Jay Delsing. And Instagram, no one really knows and very few care. All right, so we got a great show for you today. Um, just a little overview. Uh, a two-part interview not only two parts in this show, but we're going to have it's going to lop over to next week with Paul Tesori. Paul is the caddy for Webb Simpson. Webb just won the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, I know Paul. I played with Paul. Paul's caddy for VJ Singh and a various amount of other people. Um, so that's going to be fun to do. We also um, are going to talk a little bit about Webb Simpson and that win at, uh, at Phoenix and how we did it. We've got some stuff on the USGA has just released a uh, a distance study. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what what happens here. But let's let's just jump into first and foremost this um, Webb Simpson winning the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So Webb Simpson, a hell of an accomplished player. Uh, you're going to hear some of this from Paul. It's caddy. He won the 2012 U.S. Open at Olympic Club. Uh, winning here at uh, Phoenix was his sixth PGA uh, Tour title. But in this modern day of golf where Webb is playing with Tony Finau in the last group on Saturday, and he is just surrounded by mashers. There are people that are just absolutely smashing the ball, and Webb is over there driving it. Now, this isn't short by any means, but his average is 292 yards. So when I talk to Paul, and it uh, again, it's in the interview a little bit, there's a real strategy for Webb on how he does his schedules for the PGA Tour and where he plays. And what that means is he – he, realizes he's not one of these bombers. He doesn't have the ability to carry some of these force covers on bunkers and things like that that make some of the golf holes on tour so much easier. So when he picks a golf course, he likes it playing firm and fast. So Webb's a little more strategic off the tee. He's got a little more control, and he is absolutely brilliant around the greens. And it really showed... um, uh, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. What was interesting about this, folks, I'm sure you saw this, but what was interesting about this coming down the stretch, the 15th hole at uh, the TPC Scottsdale is a par 5. It's got water down the left side of the fairway, and the the uh, green is an island green. And Webb hooks his ball, takes a couple of bounces, and goes in the water. Then he lays it up his third shot to try to salvage par, and he lays it up in a sand-filled divot. So... He's kind of he limped off the 15th hole, which is a birdie hole in everyone's mind, even a short hitter uh, or a medium-sized hitter like Webb with a bogey, which has put him two shots back with three to play. And he had a nice butt for birdie at 16 that he didn't make and then went ahead and birdied 17 and birdied 18 and then went in the playoff with Tony Finau and birdied the first playoff hole. And thank you. Thanks for coming, Tony, and good night. And so I just think it's interesting, you know, the PGA Tour can hide hole locations on any greens at any given time and completely, not completely, but 
all but eliminate birdies. And so it's interesting to watch how the tour has morphed in this modern-day game. Johnny Miller called it the, the bomb and gouge game. It's really interesting to watch how you got these long hitters and how their approach is to how they play, how they play and try to win golf tournaments. And so far, you're seeing very little concern with trying to hit the fairway. And we talked about this on probably at nauseum for you folks, but the two best players in the last 25 years on the PGA Tour are Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, and they have arguably been the two most crooked drivers of the ball. So the Tour is set up for power, and it's set up for birdies. And then you got a guy like Webb Simpson who has uh, really transformed his body as well. I mean, it's kind of interesting. He... He was kind of a, a thin guy with not a lot of muscle. Paul, in his interview, refers to him as a skinny fat kid because he was thin but didn't have a lot of shape to him and a lot of muscle. He has totally transformed his body. Actually taken a page out of the Zach Johnson sort of book where he's needs to understand his game better and maximize it in order to compete, and nobody competed better with less than Zach Johnson. It's crazy seeing guys that are built like that, especially like Kepka. Yeah. And and to see how strong they are, but to still have that flexibility and the fluidity with their body to be able to to put the ball out there like they do. Meat is crazy. I can remember down at the uh it was called the the uh I think National Rent Car was sponsoring the Disney tournament. It's a tournament at the end of the year. We play at the Disney bring a family. I had the girls out. They were wearing Mickey and Minnie out over there all week. And um I'm on the range, and I'm just getting ready to play, and Steve Williams, who's getting for Tiger, sets his bag next to me, and then Tiger walks up, you know, and we're just like, hey, what's up? And then, you know, we're all doing our thing. And, I, you know, I kind of get the old ear out and start listening to what's going on over there because I'm like, what the hell? Why are you, you so not? good, dude? What's happening? And, and uh, you know, Steve's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, no, all good. And Tiger's like, I just got to 300 about an hour before I came here. And he goes, 300 what? He goes, bench press. I bench pressed 300 pounds an hour right before I left. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I was eating like a club sandwich or something, you know? I'm like, what? And um, But what these guys have done, Meet, is they do all this, and they really forgot bulk, bulking up, but they stretch a right. bunch afterwards, and it's all golf-related. So it's all golf swing-related stuff, and it's not the only thing they're doing. But when you look at Kepka, I mean, he's huge. Mm-hmm. And he still maintains a lot of fluidity, a lot of power. I think there's a downside to this whole thing. We mentioned it on the show before. We're not going to talk about it a lot, but, you know, injuries. Right. So you're so now the golf club's being swung 125, 130 miles an hour, and you're taking a piece of turf every time. I mean, it's just not natural. And, and how much of that led to Tiger's, yeah, you know, right. eventual, not demise, but his, right. his drop-off with his injuries because he was right. so much better, so much stronger than everybody else. I got a kick. You know, last year we had Brandel Chambly on the on the show, and we talked about a lot of things. And I remember Brandel is not shy about giving anybody grief or speaking his opinion, texting, tweeting, whatever. And I remember he said something to Rory McIlroy because Rory got big. And Rory's like, look what it did to Tiger. And Rory's like, uh, let's see, 82 wins, <laughs> yeah. 15 majors. Okay. What did it do to Tiger? <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Give it to me. Absolutely. So, um, it's not really all that bad a thing. Yeah, to, to have – it's I'll take a shorter career for that kind of success. That's, that's, that's a no-brainer. Well, and then, I mean, you're not worried about dough. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got you got to have you're plenty of okay dough. there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's interesting. But um, – yeah, so I thought I'd share that. Where, you know, so you're you're sitting in Webb Simpson's camp. You're part of his team, and there's a real strategy about how they go about choosing where they play. All right, so the USGA and RNA together came out with a two-year study. It was called the Distance Insight Project. That title right there doesn't sound very golfy to me, but anyway, maybe they tried to to um, to make it sound kind of significant or relevant. Um, it's really basically saying, is the ball going too far? You know, and what what is going on here with um, the speed that these players keep coming up with? And they basically came up with the idea that it has to be stopped. There has to be some sort of end game here because the ball's going too far. And guys are, you know, what's going to happen is, is, and I'm not sure how they're going to do this. First of all, I got a couple other thoughts on this, but, they, they went back and started from 2013 to current day 
uh, to, to 2019. And what's interesting is that it's showing that the, the gains in distance are about a yard a year in the average, which um, to most people wouldn't think that much of it. But I did a little digging further, and if they would have started in 2012, uh-huh. it would have thrown it back at a half a yard a year which would have put it back on, on par or back on the same rate as what was going through when I was playing in the 80s and the 90s. Okay. So I, I really have no idea why they did that. Maybe just to make their argument, I don't know. But it's what's interesting is um, where are they going with this? I've been asked this a lot. We did the Golf Expo this past week. Where are they going with this? And I have no idea. I don't think you're ever going to see two sets of rules. Where the tour players use a set of rules, mm-hmm. and then you know the the, the amateur world uses a, a whole another set of rules. I don't think they're going to do that. It's bifurcation. That's not going to happen. I don't think there is likely to be a local rule initiated if they're going to try to tackle this thing, and say this week, and it'll be every week on tour. You got to use this ball that's cut back seventy percent, you know, thirty percent or something like that. So you do it with the ball, not the club. You do it. There's a lot of ways they can do it. Here's the problem, though. We live in such a litigious society. Who they're going to sue? The manufacturers are not going to take this lying down. Right. And the, and the golfer, the amateur golfers that are paying five hundred dollars for drivers and keeping these pri- uh, these tour purses so high, are not going to not want to play what Brooks Kepka's playing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're not going to want to play a pair down version of his driver. You lose a lot of legitimacy as a company. You absolutely do. When it's on, it's funny me when I was playing, the manufacturers didn't care what kind of clubs we played. We, I would carry a Mizuno golf bag for years or a Titleist golf bag and a Cleveland golf bag. And all they cared about was the bag. They Mm -hmm. didn't even care about necessarily playing their irons. (laughs) And it all has gone full circle to the point where they want you to play and you have to play some version of what they sell now, Right, which Duh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Makes no sense at all. Yeah, being thrown around and everything. I know. I know. And it's huge money now. The pies have gotten so much bigger. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. So I'm not sure where the USGA is going to wind up on this and look for a long, long process before they do anything. So um, we've got more comments on that. Phil, as Phil does, had some... uh, some some kind of fun comments about that. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um, that's going to wrap up the On the Range segment. Uh, stay tuned. We've got that Paul Tesori interview coming up uh, on the front nine. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Quick note. We just got a call from our friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage. He said the rates are still below 4%. And if you mention Golf with Jay Delsing, he'll give you a discount on your closing costs. Please call him today at 314 628 2015. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! I want to tell you about a strength training fitness program that helped me and that can help you. It's called 20 Minutes to Fitness. They have two locations, one in Clayton and one in Chesterfield. Every time you go to the gym with 20 Minutes to Fitness, you work with a professional trainer. They take you through specific machines and with specific exercises that are designed to help your golf game. We're talking about strength, flexibility, and those two components are huge to help you improve your game. Visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. Your first session is absolutely free. Get off the couch and get in shape. The new year is here, and with it, so are the new goals and priorities you've set for your business. A time to assess the business relationships that you've had and the ones that you need. How is the relationship with your bank? Does it meet your expectations for what a bank should be? Are they a partner for you and your business, providing value beyond the products and services offered? Or is it just a holding place for your money? At St. Louis Bank, we want to be your banking partner. We believe in being more for you and your business than a placeholder for your money. Our team works to understand you so we can provide the ideal products and services for you and your business. And we're always just a call, text, or email away to provide the banking advice that you need. Because at St. Louis Bank, we know when you succeed, we all succeed. Isn't it time you get the banking partner you deserve? St. Louis Bank, let's move your business forward together. 
Find us online at stlouisbank.com, connect with us on LinkedIn, or call at 314-851-6200. It's time to get the scoop on the St. Louis golf scene. Here's Jay and Kurt Rowe with the Metropolitan Minute. One of the big topics right now around town and in golf is the World Handicap System, which launched on January 1st of this year. There's a lot of changes coming down the pike with the new handicap system, and a couple of those major changes are, one, daily revisions, so our handicaps are going to update every day, and the second is a max handicap index of 54.0. That's a big number, some people might say. However, one of the key elements to the new world handicap system is to be as inclusive and accessible as possible to golfers and to make it as easy as possible for golfers to obtain and maintain an index. With the old limits, it was difficult. With this new 54.0 limit, we're hoping more golfers will take take advantage and go out there and get a USG handicap index to measure their, uh, their golfing abilities. Well, that's fantastic, Kurt. And the Metropolitan uh, Amateur Golf Association does so much for we golfers here in St. Louis. They need to stay tuned to the show because each week they're going to hear about the Metropolitan Minute. The 100,000-watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30-day return. WXOS and WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Grab your clubs. We're headed to the front nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The front nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and we are headed to the front nine. Um, Let's just go straight into this interview that I have with Webb Simpson's caddy, Paul Tesori. You're going to love what he has to say. There's so many things we have to talk about. I'm not sure where to begin, but let's talk a little bit and tell the listeners about how we met. Uh, back in the queue, we were, uh, first of all, many people may not know, you're one hell of a player. You played at the University of Florida. You went through the, the Q school and got to the finals of the Q school. You played on tour. I think you played 10 or 12 events on the PGA Tour. Isn't that right? Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Um, so in, in- – in totality, let's go with, with the first part first. Uh, I played in 17 events, and I did not make a cut. And uh, the reason why I bring that up is Bubba Watson, his favorite thing to do, which I'm surprised I haven't gotten it after our win on Sunday in uh, Phoenix. But generally, the text will go something like this when Weber wins a tournament. Boys, great job. Super proud of you. Uh, Paulie, you're still low for 17. Um, that is kind of his go-to <laughs> tagline is to remind me that I failed to make a cut. I did tell him I played three Saturdays, though. I played uh, both Saturdays at Pebble, which for those of you that don't follow golf close enough, it ends on a Saturday. Well, it's a three-day cut on a Saturday, so I did that one. And then uh, we had Hurricane Floyd come up to the BC Open way back in 1999 and push it to Saturday and got to play that one, too. But it led me into doing what I do now. But, yeah, for, for, those, uh, for those of you that love a good story, one is coming. And I know Jay will back me up on this story. But I went through Q School in 1996 uh, at Lompoc, California, and I was paired with Jay Delsing, um, the one and only. And, you know, uh, going back in time, Jay was a very popular PGA Tour player. Obviously, we all knew his name and watched him many times uh, ended up trying to win golf tournaments and he was a household name and so my dad had driven all the way out to California and he was nervous enough just watching me and um, people have always asked me you know what are the nerves like in Q school I wasn't a great guy to really answer because I was straight out of college I didn't really understand the ramifications of what was going on and Q school used to be an extremely stressful difficult place that if you did not make through any of the three stages you had no job for a year it looks a little different nowadays with the tournament series that they have, but it was high stress. But the story I always go to is my dad going up and introducing himself to Jay. And my dad went up and said, hey, Jay, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Paul's son, Al. And uh, my dad not realizing <laughs> what he had just done and Jay being um, a little bit of a needler and uh, very, uh, very wise uh, at the same time just said, well, Al, I think you look really good for your age to be Paul's son. Uh, with him being 23 years old, that's great. And my dad came back and told me the story, and it, it wasn't for another probably year or so until me and Jay became friends, and Jay told me the story that he's used as well. So 
Um, it definitely started something. Every time I see you anywhere, Jay, or anytime your name comes up, I immediately go to that story about Q School. Paul, and we have to, you know, frame it a little more for people. Lompoc, California is the middle of nowhere, and we are getting <laughs> torrential rains. And you and I, and I forget who our third was, but we'd get started on a round, and then they'd pull us off, and we'd wait a day. And, I mean, this was a, a tournament that never even got completed. I think they, they called the thing after five rounds instead of six. But every time I came out, there's this lone figure holding an umbrella, just getting drenched. And uh, I think on on the hole that we met, I think, you know, he obviously wasn't walking down the middle of fairway because neither was I. I think he was heading down the left rough. And I I just uh, I looked at him and I, I said, how's it going? And I mean, he looks like a drowned rat, just like the rest of us, you know. And and I could tell the distress, you know, to, to your point, Paul, was just so thick you could cut it. But it was for all of us, you know. We're playing this hilly La Parisima golf course, it's difficult and wet and, and cold, and your dad is pounding up and down those hills. And, um, oh, man, every day after that I saw your dad and just kind of shook his hand, put my arm around him. I, I could feel for him, especially now being a parent. Oh, man, and, and my dad still tells the story to this day, um, again, because he's still slightly embarrassed. But I said, Dad, you don't understand. If you would have said what you were supposed to say, there would have been no story. But the fact that you said what you said has led to many good stories for Jay and for myself. And, you know, that just shows you, too, uh, obviously you at the time being a veteran of the tour. But the two guys we played with, actually Stuart Appleby. Oh, um, you're right. Donnie Hammond um, were the two guys that we were paired with that last day, which for me, being a young kid right out of college, this was a like a, a big foursome for me, playing with uh, two guys that were on the tour. And Stuart Appleby, no one had heard of yet. But it was raining so hard. He had that visor that he wore backwards. And I'm like, after about five holes, I looked at my caddy uh, and one of my best friends at the time, Chad, and I was like, um, he's a lot better than we are. Like, you could just tell in the moment <laughs> that he was a little bit different uh, than the rest of it. And we found out pretty shortly uh, how much better he was. But, yes, it was, uh, you know, Q school back then was just extreme high pressure. Uh, because, again, at one bad round of any of those four and four and six, the last one, so of those 14, um, and you were going home with no job, where nowadays there's a little bit more uh, of an option. You know, if you have a bad round or even a bad tournament, if you just have one good tournament, once you get in those finals, um, you know, you can still do well. If you finish in top five, you keep your card. So um, a little bit different stress and pressure back there. Still, obviously, I'm not going to downplay what it is today, just – it was a different type of pressure and very in the moment back then. Well, Paul, it's I totally agree with you. And I can remember going through several of those tournaments and walking off the 18th green after six rounds and not really knowing what the hell actually just happened to me because, you know, you never <laughs> really played anything six rounds long. You know, so by the time you got to the fourth round, you're kind of feeling like you're finished. And to your point, you know, one bad swing at the wrong time and you're – your next 12 months were shot. Exactly, with nowhere to go for the next year. Um, no status, no corn fairy status, no anything. And, you know, that would be a lot of the hard times afterwards. It's like, okay, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do the next year to prepare, to play in tournament golf, to get ready to go back? And there would be that immense buildup. And I remember the, you know, many tour veterans I was playing with at the time before Q School and, you know, they would tell me now is the best chance you'll ever have. Um, and one of those, uh, you know, it's kind of resurfaced recently. Bradley Hughes is a teacher, but I remember playing mini tour golf with him. He's like, you have the best chance of making it now that you've ever had because you don't know what it means. I'm like, okay. I, and I didn't, I had no idea quite the, um, you know, again, the ramifications, the grander of what I was trying to go do. But um, very quickly afterwards, I realized what was going on and how big it was and, the more you think about that tournament throughout the year, the more, I mean, there's so many stories, Tom Lehman, who, you know, a hall of famer, Ryder cup captain, a major winner, and he never made it through. I think he went over 13 or over 14, whatever that number is. And so there's countless stories, you know, Jordan speed failed to get through Q school. He failed to get out of second stage of Q school and the next year won on the PGA tour. And so there are stories after stories, after stories of that happening. Um, and, uh, you know, buddy, we were able to get through it, and that's a good thing. <laughs> we made it through the other side. So, Paul, tell folks how you started caddying, because I know you love the game. I mean, we both share that passionate for the game. 
Yeah, for for me, it it kind of came out of failure. Um, to be honest with you, I um, I tried. I, I played on tour in '97 and I got hurt. I tore my ro- right rotator cuff and I, excuse me, left rotator cuff and labrum. Um, had extensive surgery. Missed about uh, almost a year and a half from competitive golf and. When I came back the second time around, I, I don't know how else to say it, so I'll just say it now. I, I basically developed a case of the swing yips. Um, when my shoulder was hurt, um, I was young. I didn't really know what was going on. I just thought you played through it, and my shoulder would pop and have pain, and I, I developed a hitch. So in 99, I played out the remainder of my seven events, and I just uh, – I don't know how else to say it. I just had lost my game. and. I tried to go through Q school in 99 and by the time the the beginning of 2000 had come through, I knew that my career was over. So I started teaching and playing full time. And, um, in the summer of 2000, VJ Singh called me, me and VJ had become friends. Uh, we both live here in Ponte Vedra and I used to practice and play. And obviously we all know how hard he works. And, uh, he had a couple of weeks where his caddy was taking a break and he asked me to come out for, for one week. And it was in Flint, Michigan back in 2000. And, that week, uh, I had helped VJ a little bit with his golf swing. He played well. At the end of that week, he asked me to be a swing coach. And I'm like, sure. So I went to the PGA, and he got paired that week with Jack's last PGA, which is at Valhalla, and, uh, you know, a kid by the name of Tiger Woods in 2000. So the, the pairing was VJ, Jack, and Tiger. Uh, Tiger was going for his third straight major. Uh, VJ had won the first one that year. Jack was playing in his last PGA, and VJ missed the cup, but it was like my first like eye opening to like, oh my goodness, the atmosphere. This is different than what I knew could exist. And at the end of that week, me and VJ had a long talk, and he actually asked me to come work for him full time. And uh, it was a tremendous opportunity for me. I accepted, and and so that started it all. Paul, uh, Paulie, VJ for... tough yeah, man. No, go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry, VJ is. I just have no, to no. interject us. No. He is so difficult to be around and to work for. Yeah, you know, I saw – here's the thing when you know VJ really well. Um, you see both sides. Uh, you see the side that the media and the fans see a lot, but then you also get the soft side at home uh, when nobody's around and you're sitting on the back patio after a 10-hour workday at home and you're having a glass of wine and, you know, he's sharing with you what he went through growing up, um, having a, an abusive and alcoholic father. Um, you know, going through having a big brother that was a lot better than him at golf, growing up with severe poverty, not knowing where food was coming from uh, that night, and hearing those stories and realizing that you're sitting next to a guy that will go down as one of the top 20 best players that have ever lived. I think he'll go down as a top 10 best ball striker that has ever lived. And you start to realize where he came from, and, and you see some of the persona um that ended up coming out almost like developing a secondary personality to to deal with some of the hardships he had been through so i always had a soft spot for beach now don't get me wrong we had some very rough moments we definitely didn't like each other at quite a few different stages but um (laughs) the grand scheme of things here we are 20 years after i started working for him i still consider him a friend he'll call me on my birthday Uh, we'll get together once or twice a week and and just talk. I'll watch him hit some balls, and we'll talk about the old days. But uh, obviously, it was extremely difficult. I had 11 days off in 2001 and 12 off in 2002 out of 365 days. Um, you know, I was I was kind of young and dumb back there. I didn't know how to call uh, stop or freeze or whatever you want to say and, and back away. And I was kind of going uh, full-time at the time. I learned a lot of life lessons. I, you know, I lost a marriage, lost a family during that stage and I just I didn't really know what I was doing to be honest with you and that that wasn't DJ's fault that was mine um was he hard to work for yes but at the same time the only reason why I am the caddy that I am today um have the reputation I have today why the foundation is exploding it's because of the things that BJ taught me um and I'll never be able to say thank you enough to him for that for that opportunity well, and Paul, um, and so that's kind of where I stand on that one. Again, hard but thankful at the same time. Yeah, to your credit, I mean, a lot of people would could be bitter and could resent. I mean, because I've seen the way he talked to you before. I remember one one time we were together, and I think it was at the Canadian Open, and I said to you, "Man, you know the the needle, you know, meaning you know, giving people fun kind of grief, which is a huge part of the PGA Tour, as you noted with Bubba Watson's." 
continually reminding you about yeah. your your cut streak on the PGA Tour. You <laughs> told me, you said it's a, this needle uh, street only goes one way. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, it, that, that happens quite often more than we think. Uh, guys that are really good about giving it and can't take it quite as well. Um, and so just knowing that um, sometimes you uh, will we'll hold back a little bit. But now the, the older I've gotten, and since I don't work for him anymore, um, and, and VJ has softened out a lot over the last few years, you know, golf has a way of humbling all of us. You know, Tiger Woods, uh, the young generation that know Tiger now, they didn't know the Tiger that I knew going head-to-head against him for so many years with VJ overtaking him for number one in the world for a while, then going back and forth, uh, you know, VJ won three majors during Tiger's heyday. VJ won nine tournaments in a year, and so we went head to head a lot. And VJ was much, or uh, Tiger was much different back then. Um, you know, his personality didn't come out. He wanted, he was really cutthroat. He would play some mind games on the golf course. And now the Tiger that they see, it's the softened Tiger. It's the one that has two kids growing up that wants to be a dad more than a major winner. That wants to um, share what the game of golf has done for him and. It's been beautiful to watch. It's been incredible to watch for me the transformation of somebody. And, and for those parents out there, we all know what kids will do. They strip the selfishness away from you. Um, and for those of you that think having a dog is the same as having a kid, I'm sorry to break it to you now. No, it's not the same thing. Um, you can put the dog in a kennel when you go away for two weeks. You can't put a kid in the kennel. Um, and if the dog wakes up whining at night, you can walk him out or lock him out. Can't do that with the kiddos. So it's hard to get away with um, that stuff nowadays, Paul. Yes, exactly, exactly. But um, you know, it's been incredible to watch Tiger's transformation. And I think what did it to him was the game of golf. It humbled him. He had three, what, three to four years there um, where the game gave him nothing. Um, I don't even think he kept his card during any of those years, and. Um, to watch that soften him, to watch the kids soften him, to watch, you know, some heartache of the scandal that happened soften him, and to now see somebody who I, I can't wait to be around, who the young guys can't wait to be around. Even though when I do hear him say, I wish we could play Tiger as best, uh, I do wish that they could just get a two-year taste again of what we went through. Um, the Tiger at his best beating us by 15 and 8 and uh, winning four majors in a row, I, I don't think they would say the same thing. Well, that's going to do it for the first portion of this interview. Don't go anywhere. When we come back on the back nine, we'll continue the Paul Tesori interview. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. The 100,000-watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30-day return. WXOS at WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. I'd like to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, on 101 ESPN. Whitmore has been a great partner as I enter my second year. If you are considering a great place for your family to hang out, you've got to go over to Whitmore Country Club. Go in the golf shop. See my friend Bummer. He'll tell you all you need to know about the kids' club, the golf, the tennis. Uh, They've got uh, swim teams and leagues. There's anything you and your family could want at Whitmore Country Club. Visit them at WhitmoreGolf.com. Everyone is looking for the extra edge, and Jay Delsing is digging deep to find it. It's the leading edge on Golf with Jay Delsing. Welcome to the leading edge segment. I've got Pepe, the the chef and proprietor of um, Pino's Italian Soul Food in Clayton. Pep, thanks for joining me again. No problem. It's good to see you. I haven't been here in a minute. Yeah, hey, you know what? You were kind of... uh, the originator in in my mind about how to, to to do this segment. So, so tell me what's cool, what's going on um, besides the great food that your uh, restaurant's known for. You're out and about in the community, and you're uh, you're you're caring about St. Louis. Tell me what's going on. Well, you know what? I just think that like the mind, body, and spirit thing is keeping sharp and trying to keep focused. And uh, at the end of the day, um, more about people than I am about making a few bucks. Although I. Would like to make a few bucks. Yeah, well, there, we but, all got to try to make right, a buck. But I think that, um, you know, it's about people for me. Your restaurant in New Orleans, the thing that's always stood out to me is about the food is consciously raised. It's put together with intention and put together on purpose for, 
for it to for it to be good for people? Well, you know, going through a few health issues myself and with my wife and just in general, um, I think that uh, the food system has been very uh, altered. And you can see the things going on in the world from this. Definitely don't want to have any kind of craziness coming out of my restaurant or what I do. So I'm really conscious of what I do and when I do it and how I do it so that the consumer that comes into my restaurant will not feel crazy when they leave my restaurant. They're going to at least have a, a sound, taste, smell, feel. All the senses are going to be hidden. And I think that that's, you know, that is that is the edge it for is, me. It is the edge. And you've been at the Moreland 7600 Wide Down, cool little family joint. But you've been there for a little over four years, mm-hmm. but cooking for a lot longer. Uh, since I'm young. Um, and I think that the best thing here and the best chef I've ever worked for is my mom, for sure. Yeah. We've been in the restaurant business a long time, and I, the way that she produced uh, dishes, cooked with her great-grandma, is that the organic was really organic then. Um, they used every part of every animal, every vegetable, and it became just um, a social event inside the house dinner that um, – you know, we call it Southern Italian soul food or cucina porva, which means the poor kitchen. And that's kind of what we've taken is saying here, this is about food and about people. And that's what I do at my place. We're trying to grow the game and spread the love. This mm-hmm. is um, our leading edge segment. That's Pepe. You got to see him at Pino's Italian soul food, uh, 76 Y down in a really cool little part of Clayton called the Moreland's. But stay tuned because... Peppy and I are going to be doing some stuff together, and uh, you'll be hearing from him more on the Golf with Jay Delsing show. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring professional golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club. Legends like Ernie Els, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and many more will be in St. Louis. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. That's ascensioncharityclassic.com. We're halfway there. It's time for the Back Nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Back Nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and um, we're on the Back Nine. Uh, Let me talk to you a little bit about Whitmore Country Club. They've been a great partner of mine here on the show. If you are looking for a family-friendly Great atmosphere to hang out, food, swimming, tennis, anything for your family. You got to visit Whitmore Country Club. There's 72, there's 90 holes of golf, sorry, at Whitmore Country Club. You have access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, the Golf Club of Wentzville, and there are no cart fees at all. They're already included in the membership. There's no food or beverage minimums, and there's no assessments. Like I said, 24-hour fitness center, a large, large pool complex. There's tennis courts. Uh, there's junior golf, junior tennis. There's a swim team available. The year-round social calendar is rocking out there. Great holiday parties. They have picnics, date nights, live music, a kids' club for your children, which is really, really becoming popular around the country. Um, and if you get a chance, you've got to stop in the golf shop and visit my friend Bummer. He is absolutely terrific and will answer all of your needs. Bill Brungard is over there. He'll show you around the place. You need a golf club to go hang out at? Whitmore Country Club is your place. Visit them at whitmoregolf.com. All right, so we're going to go back here and catch some more of that Paul Tesori interview. You know, there's something about life, Paul, that in, in these stories that we tell, in our experiences, our own experiences, the ups and the downs, you know, you, you're, you're changed. Things change you. What happened with Tiger, so much of what uh, he was going through was played out publicly, and there was so much more humiliation. And again, a lot of it was self-inflicted. Most of it was. But still, it's difficult to have that played out in the public eye. It, it is, and I don't think that's anything we will, will ever be able to know because, you know, obviously with fame comes a tremendous amount of benefits. But obviously with fame also comes the negatives, and private life is one of those. Uh, 
Um, I remember a story Webb told me from Akron, Ohio in 2017, I believe, that Tiger walked into a Starbucks. And he walked in, and he looks over on the right, and there's Webb in a corner with his Bible out, his computer out, and he's just sitting there. And, and Webb didn't know that Tiger was in the store. And I guess Tiger was standing there for about 15 seconds. And he goes, hey, hey, you. Webb looks up, and it's Tiger. And Tiger comes over, and he goes, man, what I wouldn't give to be able to do what you're doing right now in that amount of peace and quiet. And Webb just kind of laughed, and he looked up, and as Tiger walked up to go order, Tiger, Webb looked outside, and there was already 15 to 20 people with their phones out taking pictures through the windows. Uh, the people behind the counter, they had asked for his autograph, and all the patrons, everyone stopped what they were doing just to look at Tiger. And there was a major winner, a player's championship winner, a five-time winner, a Ryder Cup or President Cup sitting in the corner, and with as much peace and quiet as he could ever want. And, you know, so again, fame comes with a price and, you know, it, it seems so unbelievable and lush and desirable, but you know, there is a negative behind it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, talk a little bit about, cause I want to get to your win in Phoenix, the most recent one, but talk about some of these wins. Cause I know you're with VJ and then talk to us a little bit about the president's cup. What an experience. And I really felt bad for Webb kind of getting saddled with Patrick Reed and that whole negative mojo that he brought with him. Yeah. Um, you know, let's go president's cup first. Uh, let's talk about that. Cause it's very obviously fresh on the mind and everything else. Uh, first of all, I love team events. Um, I've been fortunate enough to do nine president's cups now. Um, six on the U S team with three different players and then three on the international team with VJ. Um, and so, um, it's something I, I hold kind of close to my heart that each guy I've worked for, um, we've done team events together with Jerry Kelly. We did the 04 president's cup, a 03, 03 president's cup in South Africa, the tie, um, with Sean O'Hare did San Francisco in 09 and now with Weber did 11, 13 and, uh, 19, the most recent one. So I love them. I never take them for granted. And, uh, every time we do it, we know we've accomplished, we, we set two goals every year and that's tour championship and the team events. We want to win. Everybody wants to win. Unfortunately, it's not always on your plate if you're going to win or not. We had two 61s shot on us last year, a 64 and a 65 to beat us. And so sometimes you can't control um, those those standpoints. And making it there is great. Um, as far as, you know, the pairing with Patrick, um, it was something that before everything happened in the Bahamas with, um, you know, the scandal of, you know, did he cheat, did he not cheat, we had already planned on possibly playing with Patrick. Uh, Patrick's a great player. He's a great team player. And Weber and I both get along really well with Patrick. So uh, that part wasn't going to be hard. Obviously, after everything happened in the Bahamas, um, things changed a lot in Australia. Uh, the fans uh, were ready for him, and they were ready, they were ready in full force. They, uh, they had their shovels out. They had their hard hats out. They had their signs, um, I'd say probably a thousand or more different comments uh, per round uh, were going his way. And I don't blame the Australian fans. Um, I, I wish I could, but I know this. If we were in New York or Boston, oh, it would have been ten times worse. So this is not a slight towards the Australian fans. It's just it's sport, and, you know, what happened looked really bad. I, I will say this. I have – a take that some people don't like me and um, uh, me and uh, who's my man uh, with PXG long hair. Help me out here, Jay. Um, he uh, he has his own show. He lives out in Vegas. Why am I drawing? Oh my gosh, he, I can't think either. But uh, Pat Press, Pat Press. Oh yeah, Pat Press. Me and okay. Pat, me and Pat, and Pat is opinionated. I am too. And so we didn't get into an argument. We got into a good debate about you know what happened with Patrick at the Bahamas. Uh, you know, with him brushing back the sand. And here's what I told him. We can all pretend like we know that he cheated. But no one knows except for him because cheating is an intent. Um, did it look terrible? Absolutely. And I think if he had things to do over, and I know because him and I talked about this, he would have come out with a different statement. Um, he, you know, he came five minutes after being told he was going to get a two-shot penalty to go from leading the golf trip to back. He comes out, microphones are in his face, and he played a little bit of the victim card. But 
Uh, I think that would be the thing that if he could have, he, he would have taken back, and he's told me that. And, you know, he, he wishes it had been more like guys. I saw it. It looked terrible. Um, I know you don't have to believe me or take me for my take. I did not do that intentionally. It looks bad. I think it would have blown over a lot quicker. Um, but because of, um, I think, the the non-response right away of taking ownership, it, it just didn't look great. Um, I like Patrick personally. He's been tremendous to me and my family. Um, he's made a couple of really generous donations to our foundation and being a small foundation. He hasn't done that. He doesn't. He told us, don't give any press. Don't. I don't want to see that on Instagram. I don't want to see it on Twitter. Don't tell anybody. And so that shows a little bit of integrity there, not wanting that spread. Um, it was just unfortunate. It did take some of the joy away from the President's Cup. It was hard being out there. I don't think it affected. Webb played extremely well um, all three matches um, in the team event, even though we went 0-3. And Patrick played really good the first two matches. Um, we were the second lowest score in both the first two matches and just happened to get beat by the better one. The third match, we didn't play our best. We only shot a couple under best ball on Saturday morning and got beat pretty handily. Um, so long story short on that, um, it's unfortunate. I hope it'll blow over at some point, but I think it might be one that sticks with him for a long time. And then as far as the president's cup goes, um, Tiger Woods blew me away. I was, I really was not ready for the job that he was going to do as, as a, um, uh, as a captain. He was ready. He was prepared. He was into it. He was um, like he brought the caddies into the mix. He brought the caddy wives into the mix. He brought the players wives into the mix. He wanted a true team atmosphere, and he accomplished it all the way through. He, he sat at dinners with just the caddies and asked us questions because he knows sometimes he's not going to get the truth out of the players. Asked us how are they playing, how are the demeanors, how's the teamwork. Um, and, you know, for him sitting out on Saturday, he did it for a couple of reasons. First of all, his back was a little tight Saturday morning, but – he also did it because he wanted to get the guys out and raring to go. And he didn't want to be the storyline. He wanted the other players to be the storyline. And to be the captain, to go 3-0, and I mean, it might be the greatest team effort that's ever happened by one man. He captained the team and went 3-0. and If he goes 2-1, and we tie the President's Cup. If he goes 1-1-1, and we lose. And so, you know, MVP slash captain, he deserves it all. And it was an honor to play underneath him and something I'll never forget. All right, that's going to do it for the Paul Tesori interview for this show. Folks, we're going to have more of that next week. But um, that's going to wrap up the back nine. So come on back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing, and we are headed to the 19th hole. Quick note, we just got a call from our friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage. He said the rates are still below 4%, and if you mention Golf with Jay Delsing, he'll give you a discount on your closing costs. Please call him today at 314 314- Six two eight two zero one five. I'd like to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, here on 101 ESPN. You can listen to the show on Sunday mornings from 830 to 930. We're going to talk about anything in the golf and sports world. We're going to have fantastic guests on the show. We are going to give you tell you stories about the PGA Tour, give you golf lessons, swing tips. We've got episodes of Whack and Chase where you can call on. And tell us about any and all of your golf stories. If you're looking for a family-friendly, cool atmosphere to hang out, you've got to visit WhitmoreGolf.com. My friend Bummer is the assistant pro over in the golf shop. Please go in and say hi to him. He will answer any of your questions. Bill and Sales will help show you around the property. They'll show you the fabulous workout area, the swimming pool, tennis courts. They've got a kids' club where your kids can be dropped off, play with other children. You can go have a cocktail, have dinner, go play golf, WhitmoreGolf.com. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Don't miss your chance to see PGA Tour champion legends. Proceeds will benefit St. Louis area youth, including the Urban League, Mary Grove, the Boys and Girls Club, and more. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. The new year is here, and with it, so are the new goals and priorities you've set for your business. A time to assess the business relationships that you've had and the ones that you need. How is the relationship with your bank? Does it meet your expectations for what a bank should be? 
Are they a partner for you and your business, providing value beyond the products and services offered? Or is it just a holding place for your money? At St. Louis Bank, we want to be your banking partner. We believe in being more for you and your business than a placeholder for your money. Our team works to understand you so we can provide the ideal products and services for you and your business. And we're always just a call, text, or email away to provide the banking advice that you need. Because at St. Louis Bank, we know when you succeed, we all succeed. Isn't it time you get the banking partner you deserve? St. Louis Bank, let's move your business forward together. Find us online at stlouisbank.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn or call at 314-851-6200. Let me tell you about a strength training program that helped me, and it can improve your golf game and overall fitness as well. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. 20 Minutes to Fitness targets the muscle groups used in golf. Because you work with a trainer on physical therapy equipment, it also reduces the chance of exercise-related injuries to almost zero. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Your first session is absolutely free. 20 Minutes to Fitness is in Clayton and Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness. It works for me. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. The Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association is a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing. The MAGA has been the USGA Allied Golf Association in the St. Louis Central and Southern Illinois region since 1992. The MAGA provides over 30 days of competition opportunities and conducts qualifying for nine USGA championships while supporting more than 140 member clubs with amateur golf services. Find all of their information at metga.org or call 314-567-MAGA. Do you folks know about a family-owned and operated jewelry business that's been in the St. Louis area since 1946? If you haven't heard the name Sutley before, well, you have now. They are the premier hearts-on-fire dealer in the metropolitan region and have been for more than 21 years. What's a hearts-on-fire diamond, you ask? It is the world's most perfectly cut diamond. The Sutleys are knowledgeable and passionate about your jewelry needs and are open six days a week. They will treat you like family and want to understand your wishes and desires. Their business thrives on developing personal relationships with you. Sully's also strive to stay on top of the latest trends in fashion with amazing selection of designer jewelry from famous designers like Lagos, Zengani, Simon G., just to name a few. It's all done at Sully's. Sully's is on the cutting edge of the diamond business, featuring the lab-grown diamonds that can cost 30 to 40% less than a mined diamond. Whether it's a hearts on fire, designer or custom jewelry, or even the new and innovative lab-grown diamonds, let Sutley Jewelers take care of all your jewelry needs. I have known this family for 45 years. Go in and see Gary. Ask for Gus. Ask for Laura. It's a family business, and they are terrific people. They're located in the Lamp and Lantern Village on Clayton Road, just west of Highway 141 in Town & Country. You can also visit them at saettele.com. Grab your friends, a cold one, and pull up a chair. We're on to the 19th hole on golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. That's right. Grab a cold one. Maybe it's some iced tea. Maybe it's something else. Grab something cold. This is the 19th hole golf with Jay Delsing. Thank you for joining me today. Um, so that Paul Tesori interview, I've got to tell you, um, this year we're going to go into quite a few of the lives of the PGA Tour caddies. Uh, Joe LaCava, who caddies for Tiger Woods and, and used to caddy for Fred Couples before that, has agreed to be on the show. Um, Ted Scott, who is a caddy for Bubba Watson, who is absolutely hilarious, uh, has agreed to be on the show. So 
Paul Tesori is a great guy. I played, we were talking about the qualifying school, I think it was in the late 90s. And I'll never forget this. We are in some remote place in California, Lompoc, California, playing a really, really brutally tough golf course called La Parisima. That sounds like a California name, doesn't it? La Parisima. Anyway, we get this, uh, this the, it's the six rounds of of uh, Q school, meaning you got to be in the top 25 here after six rounds to get your PGA Tour card for the next year. If you don't, you got to wait, sit out a whole nother year, a whole extra year. And I can remember it just raining like crazy every single day. Weather was horrible. And I'm playing with Paul Tesori, and we play three holes and then get pulled off the course and not play for the rest of the day. So instead of, you're already spending too much time in La Parisima. And, and Lompoc, okay. Look on a look on a map. You'll have a hard time finding Lompoc. They don't they don't advertise Lompoc when you talk about California too often. And um, so for six rounds, you're already there for ten days because you got to play a couple practice rounds. And the first uh, four rounds are split on two different golf courses. And um, now we're getting torrential rains. And so we get out there, and I notice the second day we start up on like the fourth hole, and there's this you know lone spectator out there you know and i think um i walked up on the uh uh, this par three and um i was walking up the left side of the green my ball was on the green and we were going to exit to the to the left over here so i'm just under an umbrella and i see this guy and i just say hi to him and he kind of wanders over to me because i've seen him hanging around like the last three days but we haven't played six full holes in three days because it's rained so much and he sticks his hand out and says uh, hey, Jay, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. He goes, I'm uh, Paul's son, Al. Now, at the time, I'm 40. This guy's 50-something, and he just introduces himself as Paul, who's 24, his son. And me, it's just... It, it just reminded me of the, the tension and how nervous... Those tournaments were. Here's a, here's a dad who's just out there dying with his son on every single shot and probably pissed as we are because we can't see any golf and it's still raining like hell. And he's so nervous he introduces himself as his son's son <laughs> instead of the dad. So we got a kick out of that. I told Paul, we got. I think we played another four or five holes. We got pulled off and we were just sitting around drying our stuff off, trying to get something to eat. And I, I just... Um, shared with him that story, and we've had a laugh about it every time I've seen him before. And um, Paul Tesori is a great guy, won the U.S. Open with Webb in 2012 and just won this past Waste Management um, Phoenix Open uh, uh, in 2020. And one of the things, I mean, this is interesting. He used to caddy for Vijay Singh. Mm -hmm. Vijay Singh is brutal on his caddies. In one year, he got 12 days off. So think about that. That's not <laughs> one year he got 12 days off. So we're not talking about tournament stuff. VJ hits balls for hours and hours. He's he's notorious for getting to the golf courses at 8 o'clock in the morning and leaving after dark. Hitting wow. balls and doing all this stuff. And, and they both happen to live in Ponte Vedra. And so it was on the phone, come on over. Watch me hit balls. Gosh, I'd have to break the traps. cities over. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> oh, get a little separation. Yeah, but he was brutal with him on the golf course. Just, I, I, I wound up getting paired a lot with VJ Singh, a lot. And um, he, um, I've, I've witnessed some of the not so great days. I remember getting paired with him uh, one day at the TPC, and uh, in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and uh, on a Sunday, and I, I had a good day, and I fin- had a high finish, and he had a bad day, and headed south, and it was. Ugly really? all the way around. I mean, verbally, you know, That's lashing at those caddies. Yeah, it is tough. You know, some I've we've I've even you know when you're out there and you're playing and stuff happens to you at the wrong time, you're right. like, what the you know? And and um, I've never ever treated him anywhere like he. Had. My worst day is never any close <laughs> to what what VJ does. So when when guys get VJ, it's a double edged sword because you're going to make a bunch of dough. But, man, you're going to yeah, put a pound of flesh it. in there, too. Yeah, it's definitely earning it. Well, um, so we're going to have more in that Paul Tesori interview next week. Um, but that's going to wrap up the 19th hole in another show. Um, 
This has been Golf with Jay Delsing. Thanks so much for joining us. Get him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com, as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.